This is the Small Mouth Crush Podcast Season 2. If you're a hardcore angler, you've come to the right place. This is a weekly podcast that will interview some of the top local and regional anglers in North America. Anglers who consistently finish near the top in both largemouth and smallmouth bass fishing tournaments. Travis and his guest will discuss techniques and strategies used to help these anglers stay so consistent and help you become a better angler and gain an edge on your body of water. And now, here's your host of the Smallmouth Crush Podcast, Travis Manson. Hello and welcome to the Smallmouth Crush Podcast. My name is Travis Manson. Another great week talking with the local and regional bass fishing sticks across North America. And we got a good show lined up today. Adam Rasmussen will be joining me shortly. But before we go there, let's talk about the real shot. It has quickly become a go-to shop for bass anglers across the country, a vast selection of some of the most sought-after brands in fishing, Kitek Mega Bass, Damiki Ozuri, Evergreen, bunch of different specialized assortments of baits, as well as your staple brands like VMC, Rapala, Berkeley, and, of course, Z-Man. From high-end rods and reels, to a whole bunch of terminal tackle, everything in between. The real shot, use my code smallmouthcrush15, and you're actually going to get 15% off your first order. So pretty cool. We definitely appreciate the real shot support on the Smallmouth Crush podcast. Hey, here's something really cool, too. If you're interested in saving money on your fishing tackle or fishing gear purchases, uh, you want sponsorship pricing without having to wear that patch or or wrap your boat for a 20% discount. For me as a guide and a tournament angler, I spend a lot of money when it comes to gear, and every little bit helps. I joined the Insiders Club at a site called Outdoorsponsors.com, and I encourage everyone else to do so. It's a yearly membership, and when you sign up, you get 20 to 40% off all of the brands that they have partnered with. It's super easy to sign up, and I'm going to give you a code that will actually give you 50% off your first year's subscription. It's like, it's a no-brainer. You got to do this. They have top brands like Bass Mafia, Rapala, Teenage Marine, heck, even like Aquaview cameras. There's over 80 brands so far. So head on over to OutdoorSponsors.com and use my code CRUSH50, all caps, CRUSH50, to save 50% off your year's membership. It definitely pays for itself. I encourage you to check them out. Outdoor sponsors.com perfect let's get into it let's bring our next guest on adam how are you doing awesome yourself good good i'm excited to have you you uh you definitely know how to catch some fish and you're actually from my old part of the country wisconsin love it there. there's a lot going on a lot of great fishing excited to talk to you about that but i want to really before we get into it if you could take a moment and talk a little bit about your background what you're up to now and and what are your, some of your plans when it comes to uh fishing in the future yeah so just uh a brief rundown of you know the start of my career i started over in wasaw stevens point area that's where i grew up um started guiding right out of high school i fished a lot of walleye tournaments and i always found myself fishing bass for fun Took me a while to figure my life out, but uh, I'd say, well, probably seven, eight years ago now, I started doing, you know, strictly bass tournaments. Most of my guiding is bass. Um, however, I, I do do a lot of salmon, 
and walleye fishing as as well. But uh, long story short, uh, I moved over to Sturgeon Bay about six years ago, and I fell in love with the smallmouth fishing here. As a lot of people know, it's one of the best places in the country. I mean, 30-pound bags are, are not unheard of, and lots of big bass, a lot of, lot of opportunities. So I got my captain's license. Um, now I'm living over here. I guide bass, walleyes. I run two salmon boats during the summer as well. So a lot of stuff going on, a lot of cool things. So I've done quite a few bass tournaments in the last several years from Classic Bass Champions Tour over in Minnesota. And this past season, I started fishing the Bassmaster Opens. I did the Southern and Central Divisions. Kind of got my feet wet in that. Um, Obviously, it's something I want to pursue. I want to make the Elite Series. That's my goal. So this year I've signed up. I just got confirmed a couple days ago. I've been sweating it out for a couple weeks, but I'm confirmed in all nine of the Bassmaster Opens. So Cool. So you're signed up for all nine events. That's going to be uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of challenges that go along with that. What yeah. do you what what body of water are you looking forward to the most? I haven't fished down south until last year. Outside, I think I went to Kentucky Lake once and I went to Table Rock once. So I'm not real familiar with all the lakes down there. I wish we were going to, you know, like the St. Lawrence or something in Epic Smallmouth Fishery out of these nine, but we're not. I guess the one that I would look forward to the most is probably Cherokee at that time of year. It should be a pretty good bite. But heck, I look forward to going to Florida in January. It's cold here. We get to go back down south, put our shorts and flip-flops on, and catch some giant largemouths. So they're are all going to be fun. Are you still going to have some time to be able to fish tournaments locally as well? Um, A few. I'll probably fish the ones here in Sturgeon Bay, and that'll be about it this year. So. Gotcha. And I'm trying to run a guide service full-time as well, the ice fishing as well as open water. So I have my hands full, Um, but I'll try to fish as much as I can. That is a lot, a lot going on. What what attracts you to the Sturgeon Bay, the Door County area? Uh, obviously, it's great fishing. Do you stay fairly booked throughout the year guiding in that zone? Yeah, there's uh, a lot of tourism here. You know, the coolest thing that I've learned from guiding here is how easy, I shouldn't say it's easy, but nothing's easy on the water, as we all know. But it's a fairly easy task to get somebody their personal best fish, whether it be a walleye, a bass, uh, a salmon. We have such great fishing here and everything seems to be big. Uh, when I'm guiding smallmouths in May, June, into July and in the fall, I mean, it's it's crazy how many big smallmouths people catch and they're not used to that. I mean, a, a five pounder is a common fish here and other parts of the country, a five pounder is a true giant. And that's uh Heck, I don't even take pictures of myself with them unless they're six plus now. It's it's crazy how many big bass there are. Well, that's, oh, true. that's true. What would what be would your be favorite place to fish if you could if you could pick one body of water just to go out for the day to have fun? I would have to say I learned that this last August over in Minnesota at the Champions Tour, Pelican Lake. I don't get to do a lot of largemouth fishing up in the North Country. 
so in the Champions Tour, um, most of those tournaments are over in Minnesota, but I fished a tournament on Pelican in August, and I set a new record for catchway release format fishing. I had 247 pounds of bass for 98 fish. So they're all they're all quality, nice fish, and and to put numbers like that up on a little lake in northern Minnesota, you know, it's maybe six thousand acres. It was uh it was pretty unreal. It was I'd like to go there for fun when nobody else is on the lake and they're not getting pressured at all. I mean, that could be epic, insane fishing. Talk to me about this format. So this is somewhat new, obviously. A lot of people are familiar with the MLF format at the tour level, but that's kind of trickled down now as well. So Classic Bass started the Champions Tour, I believe, five seasons ago. And it's uh, it's just like MLF. It's catch, weigh, release. You get a bass. You can't allow it to touch the side of the boat or anything. No nets. You have to hand land them. You have a marshal in the boat. Put it on the scale. Weigh that fish. You drop it on the floor, it's a two-minute penalty. If we break off on a dock, it's a four-minute penalty. So you always, you're always concerned about fish care and, and basically breaking off on a dock is a littering fine. So um, you're always thinking about those things because you don't want time knocked off throughout the day. But anyway, you catch that fish, put it on the scale, weigh it. The marshal puts it in the app so everybody can follow this stuff live throughout the day. Excuse me. So obviously Pelican Lake's full of big largemouth. Did you have time to, did you have like a practice period as well? Or how did that work? We did have a practice period. I think I was there for four days. Um, so what I did, the whole lake is, is basically solid weeds. There's cabbage and milfoil. So when you find a lake like that, you want to try to find something different. And I noticed there's all these little rock islands. And when I started practice, anywhere you could get on that rock weed transition, you could catch fish. However, there's only so many islands in the lake and there's 50 boats and they're all great anglers. It's a tough crowd to fish against. I knew like that shoreline related stuff wasn't going to hold up. That was going to get beat up throughout the week during practice. And then you're going to have to share water with everybody else fishing the tournament. So I actually, I took my hummingbirds and I went and I idled and I started finding offshore rock piles in the weed beds. And those are all key feeding spots for those fish. Uh, I think I found 14 of them through the lake. I only fished two the whole day of the tournament. I picked the two that I thought would have the most fish on them. I started there. Fortunately for me, I was able to stay there all day long, caught 98 bass off uh, two rock piles that are the size of my Vexus boat. Wow, that is that is crazy. What was the technique? How did you approach that? So in the morning, I started out, we had a little bit of wind, overcast. I started throwing a Z-Man jackhammer, um, catching all the active fish, and Later in the day, in the second period, I had to go to a, they call a Minnesota jig worm. Um, I just had a little VMC Ned jig with a five-inch Senko on it. Kind of had to slow down, and I actually think I caught all those bass again that I caught in the morning. I think once I got them fired up and a little more finesse, um, I think I went through all of them again. Because we take a break halfway through the day, so we went in, took a break for an hour, went back out. I caught one on, 
a chatterbait. I made like four more casts with it, never got a bite, and knew I had to do something different. So I picked up the jigworm, threw it on the rock pile, and it was literally every single cast. Talk to me a little bit about the chatterbait. So you said the jackhammer. It's obviously a well-known uh, chatterbait out there. Any particular size or colors that you gravitate towards? And I'd love to hear your thoughts on on jig trailers with that as well. So I love throwing a chatterbait because it's something I can cover water with. You can throw it through wood, rock, weeds. Um, it doesn't get snagged a whole lot. You can cover water. It puts out a lot of vibration. Um, it's just a great way to cover water and catch active fish you know, all over the country. I became a big fan of it and I've used, I used to use the cheaper ones, the $7 ones, whatever. Well, in a tournament format, you don't want to lose any fish. So I've learned that like the jackhammer truly is a better bait. Um, it has a better hook and, and you hook up on more fish, but I keep it kind of simple. I'll fish a black and blue one, um, or white. If there's a lot of shad around, I'm going to fish a white one. If I'm fishing dirty water or there's bluegills around, uh, then I kind of lean towards that black and blue color. I don't get too crazy with color on it. It's it's more of a reaction bite, so I don't think color matters as much. You know, and then for a, a trailer, like I'll fish a 13 fishing uh, churro swim bait on the back of it. Just something with a large boot tail just to add some more thump to it. Mm-hmm. Um there again, keep it simple. I kind of, kind of match that to the color of my chatterbait. If I'm fishing a white one, I'll fish like a, a clear white trailer on it, black and blue. I fish a black trailer. As far as, uh, the bait itself, uh, pretty, pretty basic. I, I do have a couple questions with that because especially when I fish it around hardcover and, and maybe even docks and stuff, every, every once in a while, when you nick that blade, you know, the, the black and blue and even the green pumpkin are black. When you start chipping that if you're throwing that chatterbait uh, quite a bit i've always curious guys that throw chatterbaits on a regular basis you'll sometimes get that little silver shining through on that blade does that bother you or does that does that make you want to change it and put a fresh one on or what are your thoughts on that i'm just curious i think the more beat up it is the better it works um i think yeah hang on here sure so that's the one that i threw that Pelican Lake, I mean, that is went through the ringer. There's hardly even a skirt left on it. Wow. I finally retired it because the hook stalled down. But, uh, right. But yeah, I mean, Very throw it cool. until, throw it until the paint's knocked off of it. They keep biting it. What's your rod and reel setup typically for that? So that one, I'll fish, uh, like a seven, three to one geared reel. Um, I like to fish, I use suffix fluorocarbon. Uh, 17 pound test and then i fish it on a 13 fishing nv chatter they make a chatter crank rod it's a 7.4 rod it's it's kind of similar well it's called chatter crank heavier crankbait rod but it has a lot of flex in it so it allows when those fish bite that rod loads up you're not pulling the bait out of their mouth if you throw it on just like a, a heavier rod like a flipping stick or something Seems too heavy and you miss a lot of fish on it. So you want something with some give so you don't miss those fish when they bite it. Well, great, great stuff on the chatterbait. What would you say is your, your favorite way to catch bass uh, as far as technique goes? Throughout the country, if I have a way that I could go, if I could pick the way I wanted to catch them, it would be throwing a crankbait. I like to throw a lot of Rapala DTs, you know, something that allows me to cover water similar to the chatterbait deal. 
I think a crankbait is the one bait you can use just about everywhere and catch bass on them. Um, outside of that, like in the smallmouth world, you know, where I'm from in Sturgeon Bay, my favorite thing to do here is throwing an umbrella rig. It's pretty unreal uh, in the spring and the fall when those fish are schooled up and you can get their attention with this big mob of blades and baits going through the water, how many big bass you can catch on them. And it's, that's my favorite thing to throw. Is that something you're going to throw year round or is it time specific to the spring or the fall? Or do you always have one tied on and ready to go? I always have one tied on ready to go when I can use them. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the tournaments I fish, we can't use A-rigs or umbrella rigs. However, if I'm just going fishing for fun or I'm in a situation we can use it, I keep one tied on all year. It's a, it's something I'm really going to concentrate on throwing early in the spring. Let's say like 48 to uh, 55, 56 degree water seems to be key in the spring uh, for small malls and large malls aren't too far off from there. And then in the fall, when that water starts getting down into the low fifties, um, all the way down to 40, it's, I'm going to have one rod locked in my hand and that's it. So I know a lot of tournaments, uh, don't allow it. And let's say you were on an, an a rig bite or an Alabama, you know, it's, the right bait of choice, but you're fishing a tournament where the rules don't allow it. Are you still going to try to target those fish that you would have tried to catch them with an A-rig or are you going to do something totally different if it isn't allowed in an event? Uh, I'm going to do something totally different. It's, it there's seems nothing like, that compares, huh? It seems like one of those deals like there's days that we'd be able to practice with it and you could cover some water and find some fish. You can go back to those spots after catching them on an A-rig and they won't bite anything else. So, you know, if I'm going to a, to an open or, or like the Sturgeon Bay open here, I won't even have one in my boat because I don't want to be tempted to throw it because I'm going to be on some stuff that you're never going to catch them on, on other tackle. Um, it's kind of weird like that. It's definitely a, a great bait to put some great fish. I mean, I, some of my best days I can think of on, on the Great Lakes is throwing an A-rig. And it's uh, there's a lot of different ways to throw it. I'd love to hear your approach when it comes to, let's just start out in the springtime. Are you? I want to know if you're fishing deep or if you're fishing shallow with it. Love to hear your favorite umbrella rig out there as far as the brands that you use, as well as you know, the plastics that you use on that? You know, throughout the year, I kind of kind of keep it the same. I so, throw the same one, the same jig, same plastics. The only thing I might change is the length of my plastic or the weight of my jig. It's all uh, it's all depth and speed that makes that, that bait work. I like to throw the hog farmer. Um, they've got a few different variations. They have one, I forget the the name of it. It's got a lot of blades on it and you can run three baits on it. But the wire on that seems really durable. You can go through a lot of fish without worrying about breaking arms. You know, they're expensive to begin with. Spend a little more money and and get yourself a good one. Um, And then what I do is I fish a VMC hybrid swim bait jig on that. It's got a really sharp, super sticky hook. Like starting out in the springtime, I'm going to go with like a 316th ounce. 
on all of my jigs just to try to keep it a little bit lighter. You know, springtime, you're fishing shallow. Those fish are up shallow looking for warm water, getting ready to spawn. So you want to keep your weight down on your on your jig heads there so you can fish it a little bit slower, fish it in shallower water. You know, and I'll team that up with a, a three and a half inch Storm Largo shad. You know, it's one of my favorite swim baits to fish on that. And natural color is something that's going to match the forage on the body of water you're fishing. And then once we get into fall, um, those fish start to move a little deeper. And then all you have to do is bump up the weight on your jig heads. You might go to a quarter ounce or a three-eighths ounce. And then a lot of times the forage is a little bigger. So I will bump up to like a four and a half inch Largo shad, you know, a little bigger swim bait in the fall. Can you describe that? So the Largo shad, not real familiar with that. Yeah, it's actually uh, the Largo shad started off as a saltwater swim bait. And it was a, a great swim bait, just needed to be marketed a little bit different. Um, and Storm makes it under the Rapala name. So it's a it's just a fat bodied, it's a two and three quarter and a four and a half. They're coming out with a three and a half this year. Just a boot tail, paddle tail swim bait. We came out with some different colors for uh, freshwater, and it's been it's been really a really good bait the last year, year and a half. I've been using it up here. Very good. As far as line, uh, are you a braid or a straight floral when it comes to uh, a rigs? I go right to floral. I know a lot of guys like throwing it on braid, but it's kind of the same thing we just talked about with like throwing a jackhammer. You want them to get that bait in their mouth. So you want a little, a little give there. So I fish it on 20 pound suffix fluorocarbon and actually throw it on a NV711 crankbait rod. You know, so there again, same concept. I want something with a little give and a little flex. A lot of times when you're reeling that thing in, you'll feel them bumping it. You know, they might come up and they're hitting the dummies or the blades and you might feel tap, tap tap the whole key is you don't want to set the hook when that's happening because they're just coming up and tasting stuff um once they actually eat it you just let the rod load up and the fish is on there and if you if you do that without you know going into a full-blown hook set cranking down on them you can actually hook up on other fish as well you can catch two or three of them at a crack on it which is pretty neat so when you feel that bite you're not just setting the hook you're not jerking a rod you're letting that load up properly and then oftentimes especially when you get around the big school you're able to catch a couple at a time i've, I've only done that a handful of times uh, is it a common experience for you when you work that bait that way if you're in the right school it is um there's it doesn't work every day it doesn't happen every day but if you get in a big enough school a hungry small mouse man you can catch two about two on every cast it seems like Sure. But sure. Uh, the whole key is not getting excited and letting them load up on that thing. That's why the floral is so important to me. If you go to like a braided line in our blood to just set the hook right away, right? You feel a tap and you want to set the hooks. You want something that you can take the feel away a little bit and uh, and slow it down. That's my whole key with the A-Rig that I think a lot of people miss out on. So Adam, obviously you're a great tournament angler. Uh, you consistently catch them. What, what would some advice you could give to other anglers that are looking to improve their game when it comes to tournaments? Uh, you know, what separates you from the pack 
And, you know, what makes you think, what makes you so consistent out there? That's a good question, Travis. I think um, being a good tournament angler means you have to be really versatile. You can't be good at just one thing. You have to be good at a lot of different things. You're not forced. Like if we go out for fun, you know, hey, uh, the weather's not right. I don't want to go today because I can't catch them this way or, you know, things like that. If you're fishing a tournament, you don't have a choice. You have to go no matter what the weather is, where the lake is that that tournament's on, and you have to figure it out. So you have to be good at a lot of different things. Um, I think that's what sets myself apart from others. Being versatile, I got to keep an open mind. That's a huge one. Uh, you can't be closed-minded. I find that I'm good at doing a lot of different things. And I, I think I've learned that through guiding. I mean, I have to... I have to put my customers on walleyes. I have to put them on bass. I have to put them on trout and salmon, um, ice fishing. So not only am I just fishing a bass tournament where I have to be versatile there, I have to be versatile through my whole entire fishing career. Um, so I keep a really open mind and, and I, you know, take something that you learn, tuck it in the back of your mind and, and build off of that. And that's how you learn new things. And that's how you win tournaments and, and be successful at it has fishing uh for salmon and trout and or walleye have you picked up any tips or clues or things that have helped you become a better bass angler because of those other species um off of the walleye side of things yes i i learned through like when i started fishing walleye tournaments how crucial food is you know fish aren't aren't that smart all they do is swim and eat. If you find their food, you're going to find the fish not far away. And then you figure out the pattern that's best to catch them in that spot or uh, environment. So that's the big thing is that I've learned. And I think it came from walleye fishing. You know, walleyes are so nomadic. Everybody thinks they're really hard to catch. They're not hard to catch. They move a lot. You know, you can pull up on a spot and an hour later, they're a half a mile away from you. And it's all relevant to food and what they're feeding on. And you take that into the bass fishing world. The one thing I've learned down south real quick is everything's reliant on on the bait, the shad, whatever the forage is. You have to find all of that food and you're going to find, you know, you generally the biggest fish in the lake are going to be close by. So I, I also want to ask you if there's areas of weakness or areas of improvement uh that you like whether it be a technique or just something you don't do that often what's an area that you kind of want to maybe improve upon in the future when it comes to fishing uh, i learned this is my biggest one that i need to work on not getting greedy so many times you you think it's going to take more to to cash a check or win a tournament than it really does. Um, I shot myself in the foot a few times down south this year where I got greedy and I was trying to catch, you know, five quality fish over just getting five bites. And you come in at the end of the day to the way and it's like, man, I just wish I would have went and caught five line burners and I would have been a lot better off I had a chance in the Southerns. I was, I was up there for, uh, 
possibly making the elites, but you know, at Lake Norman, I got greedy and that's, that's my biggest weakness. I catch myself doing that too many times in tournaments where you're trying to go for it all right away and, and you just try to win. That doesn't work. Um, you know, you gotta go out, get yourself a limit, a decent limit, work off of that, stay calm, stay cool. Um, and let the cards fall where they may, you know, when it's your time, it's your time. I know you mentioned you're a very versatile angler. What is a technique that you just cringe when you know you have to use it, but you don't really want to, do you got anything like that? I don't really have a technique, but I guess you could call it a technique. Dock fishing. Mm. Absolutely freaking hate it. My, uh, my least favorite thing in the world to do. And, trying to force myself to do more of that too. You know, a lot of these lakes down South this past year, you know, they were one on docks and I, I will spend my whole entire week of practice doing something else, trying to figure something else out. So I don't have to go near a dock. I hate it. I wish it'd be outlawed. We can't throw umbrella rigs. I wish we couldn't fish docks, but it, well, you, you brought up a good point when you were on Pelican, you talked about the bank and, and I'm sure there was docks and stuff like that. And just the fishing pressure, is that kind of what steers you away from docks? Cause it's the obvious stuff that a lot of people hit. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an off the bank offshore fisherman. You know, my favorite way to go and fish, you know, if I have the opportunity to be offshore, throwing a crankbait or something, something, a moving bait. It's, that just gets in my head that I look at the bank and you look at all the docks and there's guys on all of it every day and those fish are constantly getting beat at. I'd rather go offshore and try to find something that nobody else has found. And generally, if you can find that, it's going to work out really, really good for you. Problem is, I'd say one out of eight tournaments, you might find something like that. You know, in my past experience, it's... uh so I'm trying to get through that. I need to, to get that out of my head. You know, I I learned uh, our last tournament down at Grand. I had a bunch of offshore stuff going. Unfortunately, they quit pulling water. Um, so I had to go beat the bank with 219 other boats, however many were in it. Once I got it out of my head that I needed to do that, you know, I went behind guys and I caught fish and I did fairly decent down there. So it's something I need to work at. That's, that's my one, one true weakness is, is worrying about what's in front of you. You might have four boats on a bank in front of you, but if you're doing something a little bit different, you can still pick up fish behind people. So I assume that Grand Lake may have been the first time you've been there. Uh, and if it is, I, I want to know how you actually prepare for an event like that or a upcoming tournament? Is there some steps that you take? Do you have a system in place or, or do you just wing it? I try to do a little bit of research beforehand. I would say like my research goes on what like winning weights are for the most part, just to get an idea of what kind of fish you need to go look for outside of like studying maps, things like that. I really try not to do that. Um, a lot of these lakes down south, the water is always fluctuating and things are changing. So the big thing I do is, you know, my first day there, I put my boat in the water. 
I pull my boat up onto shore. I look at my Lake Master map, and we're talking like most of the time this is low water situations. Or you can look online and find out what the lake level is. But I pull up, I look at my contour line and say it says I'm in four feet of water and I'm on dry land. I go in and I offset my my depth on my map to minus four feet. Um, and then I go start running around the lake and start looking at things. Once I start fishing a little bit, you know, you can do all the shaded depths and everything on there. And I'll, I'll shade that. So when I'm running across the lake, I can see on my map and it's really easy for me to pick the spots I want to look at and break the lake down. I'm terrible at looking at a map, you know, at night or beforehand and going, okay, I'm going to go fish here, here, here. I just kind of, I just kind of run and I start fishing stuff that looks good at that, that moment in time or what the pattern may be and adjust like that. All right, good stuff. How to prepare for a tournament in new body of water. Obviously, your electronics play a key. Mapping, getting the uh, the correct depth, and that way you can actually focus on that zone or where you think those fish are are hanging out. You make, make some great points there. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Small Mouth Crush Podcast. Don't rush out to the water just yet. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, this portion of the Small Mouth Crush podcast slash YouTube videos brought to you by Monster Bass. What is Monster Bass? It's a monthly subscription where they send you the best baits for the places that you fish, teach you how to use them. It's a company I choose when it comes to my monthly bait subscriptions. You can save $10 on your first purchase. Head on over to monsterbass.com, enter the code SAVE10 and sign up. They got a huge selection of tackle as well over on their uh, tackle section of their website. Bunch of tungsten. You get tungsten weights, drop shots, flipping weights, whatever you want. Some really good prices. Monsterbass.com. Use that code SAVE10. Let's get back to the podcast. We're back to the Small Mouth Crush Podcast with your host, Travis Manson. All right, Adam, wrapping this uh, podcast up. First of all, thanks for coming on. There's there's two questions I ask every guest uh, on this podcast. I'd love to, uh, love to know what your personal best uh, bass is whether it be a smallmouth or a largemouth and a little little story behind that what bait you caught it on both of them stick out in my head obviously when you have your personal best you don't forget about it that's the cool thing about fishing that's what we all strive for my personal best largemouth was nine seven and i caught it down on lake gunnersville um i used to fish the angler's choice circuit in wisconsin and we went down there every year for a championship so actually, I kind of lied there. I have been down south previously. But that week was pretty unreal. We uh, Just to take away from that fish for a second, mm-hmm. we were actually down there, and it started snowing during practice. And I'm at the gas station getting gas. There's like an inch of snow on the ground. No big deal. We're from Wisconsin, right? I drove through a snowstorm to get down there. And the lady at the gas station's hollering at me, you shouldn't even be driving, everything's closed, whatever. I'm like, I'm going fishing, lady, whatever. And uh, we were one of the only boats on the lake that day, and I caught an 8-3, a couple in that 7 range, a bunch of 6s and 5s. Um, in that snowy weather down south in the spring, we absolutely crushed big, large mouths. So it got me all excited. You know, that's cool. I, 
I crushed my personal best largemouth like 10 times in one day. Mm-hmm. And then we went out during the tournament. Uh, unfortunately, I had some motor issues after our first spot, but that first spot in the morning, we're just kind of fishing a little marina deal and there was a lot of shad in there and those fish were schooled up in the mornings and uh, caught on a rattle bait, um, caught a 9.7 during the tournament. So pretty jacked up about that. It's hard enough to to break a personal best and when you can do it in an event where there's money on the line, it's even better. Mm-hmm. And then uh, personal best smallmouth is 7.10. I haven't broke that eight pound mark yet, but uh, that one was just pre-fishing for a tournament up here in Sturgeon Bay. And I happened to see a little wolf pack. I'm trying to get out of an area where we found a school of fish up shallow and there's a little wolf pack of them and, I'm like, gosh, those look big. And I'm like on a hundred on the trolling motor burning out of there. And I just flipped a tube over by him. Like, they're not going to bite it, whatever. The smallest one out of the group went and ate it. And it was a 710. So wow, wow. pretty crazy stuff. Well, that's a, that's a pretty big fish for up there. There's probably a state record swimming around there. No doubt. For sure. So I'm going to give you one bait to use for the whole next season. And that's to catch smallmouth and largemouth with. And it's the only bait you can throw the whole entire year. What is that bait going to be? The whole entire year for both? Oh, man, that's a tough one to try and catch brown ones and green ones, both on the same bait. I would have to say, just knowing how smallmouths are in clear water, I don't have a lot of a lot of faith in throwing a crankbait or anything, but give me uh give me that VMC hybrid swim bait jig with a Largo shad on it. I would say that's, that's probably the one thing that you could go anywhere. You could take a swim bait with you and catch bass on it. And it's versatile. You can fish it shallow. You can fish it deep, high in the water column, low in the water column through structure. Um, That'd be the one thing I would pick is a swim bait. So a lot of confidence with uh, with a swim bait as far as being able to cover different different depths, different situations that you run into. You did bring up a good point. You you mentioned crankbaits earlier, and you talked about the DTs, and you know I assume you're throwing the DT four, six, tens, fourteen, sixteens, that whole range. That's one of my favorite crankbaits uh, out there. And you kind of hesitated. You were kind of leaning towards a crankbait. So before we go, I want to dig into that a little bit with you. Talk to me about you know, times of the year and places you're going to throw a crankbait more often than not. Let's stick with the Rapalas because I'm a huge fan of them. I think they, they're amazing. I think they run great. They, they run true. They cover a lot of different depths. I think the color patterns, I just think the way they work, it puts fish in the boat for me. So. Yeah. uh, When I said that earlier, when I would throw a crankbait pretty much anywhere for anything, I kind of had large mouths on my brain. However, it is a great smallmouth bait too, but when I think of smallmouth waters, I'm always thinking of, of deep, clear, Great Lakes stuff. And uh, you can catch some on crankbaits, but not, wouldn't be my first choice. But uh, as far as like fishing large mouths or fishing dirty water, I love to throw crankbaits. It's something that you can cover a lot of water with. And if you take just like that DT line, that seems to be the one crankbait 
Somewhere in that lineup, a DT4 or 6, we have an 8 coming out now, um, a 10, 16, 20. You can cover the whole water column. And it's a balsa wood crankbait. It works great in cold water. Uh, you catch them in the warm water down south as well. So that whole lineup makes you really versatile as far as where you can fish, what depth. Um, they have a lot of good colors. You know, if you're if you're looking to pick a color, one thing that I do, if I'm fishing cleaner water and they're really on, on the shad or like the white bait, minnows, whatnot, I'm going to stay towards like that white end of the spectrum, you know, and mimic those shad. You know, a lot of times if I'm fishing rocks, say like the Mississippi River, and I'm fishing a, a lot of like riprap stuff, I'm going to go towards like the crawfish or, the, you know, the demon your chartreuse is like more craw colored stuff, stuff that's going to stand out a little bit more. I think those fish are, are keying in on other things on that riprap. And then just, you know, the good old dirty, muddy water. I'll go to like a Caribbean shad. You know, that's my favorite dirty water color. Um, it's got a blue back, a yellow side, and a little bit of orange on the throat. So it's, it's really easy for them to pick out and find in that dirty water. <clears throat> and then another thing that I always try to do I want that thing grind in the bottom. Very rarely do I ever catch them on a crankbait where I'm up off the bottom cranking it. I want that thing down there banging into wood, rocks, whatever it may be. And you're just getting a, a reaction bite out of them, really. So if, if they're in a, a funky, lethargic mood, you know, even in that warm water period in the summer where you don't think they're, they're aggressive or they want to chase, and you plow a crankbait past them and you're banging off all that structure that they're laying on, a lot of times they just don't have a choice but to eat it. It's going by their by their face so fast. And it allows you to cover a lot of water really fast too, which is, is another great thing. Uh, one thing I will say on that, what I've learned is always have sharp, the best, your favorite hook, whatever it may be. I always change my hooks. I use the VMC hybrid hook. It's curved in a little bit more on the points and it's super sharp and sticky. Those fish, a lot of times you're gonna have them hooked like on the side of the face or you might just have one part of the treble hook in their mouth. So you wanna have a really soft rod and you wanna upgrade your hooks, put better hooks on and you'll get a lot more of those fish to the boat. This spring I was down at Douglas and just fishing with stock hooks on a DT they're a good hook on there, mm -hmm. but not to like my standards. Um, during practice, you know, I'd lose three out of four fish that I'd hook up on with stock hooks. So I started messing around with this new VMC hybrid treble and I put those on. Man, I'd say it went to like losing one out of 10. Um, it was that much better. And I just have them skin hooked and they'd stay hooked all the way to the boat with that super sharp sticky treble hook so another thing to think about there um change your hooks on a crankbait make sure they're real sticky and then throw it on a soft rod yeah i'm not too familiar with the vmc hybrid treble i'm going to definitely look into that I'm, I'm a big fan of a uh, variety of different hooks you know i, I do use uh, an extra wide gap hook at times uh you know around standard round bend depending on how those fish bite I haven't had too many issues with the standard hooks on the Rapala, but I mean, I can think of some times when I'm, I may have lost a fish or two. I'm definitely going to 
going to look into those hooks. Do you upgrade the size or do you try to keep it comparable to the hooks that are like, say it's a DT six. Are you, I think that's size four on those. I, I could be wrong. Are you going to step it up a little bit or are you going to try to keep it about the same? I try to keep it the same. That way your crankbait's still running the same. I guess the only time I would maybe jump the size up is if I'm fishing really deep and I want to get my crankbait down deeper, then I'll bump up the size of the hook and that adds a little bit of weight to it. I can get a little more depth out of it. You got me excited. I love throwing Rapalas. I love throwing the DT series crankbaits. And uh, now I'm going to got a new hook to try. So I really appreciate the info. A lot of great info. Alabama rigs, chatterbaits. I mean, we covered it all today. Good stuff, Adam. Really appreciate you coming on. How can people follow you, get a hold of you for a guide trip, and and just follow your your uh, progress as an angler throughout the season? Yeah, just uh, on Facebook, look up Adam Rasmussen or Rasmussen Outdoors. Um, I also have a website, www.rasmussenoutdoors.com, and that has all my guiding info on there, a link to my Facebook stuff. I try to keep up with my website and keep stuff up to date on what I'm doing around the world, but uh, as we all know, once fishing season's here, we get pretty busy. So I kind of miss out on that once in a while. But look me up on Facebook or check out the website. And anybody wants to come over and enjoy beautiful Door County and some of the great fishing opportunities we have here for whatever it may be, from walleyes to giant smallmouth, salmon, trout, uh, look me up. We got you covered. So I appreciate you having me on the show, Travis. Seriously, you're welcome back anytime. We really appreciate it. And as always, guys, until next time, we'll see you on the water. Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show and follow us on Instagram at Smallmouth Crush. Also, the YouTube channel, Smallmouth Crush. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a five-star rating and comment with a review below. And as always, until next time, we'll see you on the water.